0: hey it's chris coming up this week on the pickleball show
1: can you imagine like we win a point and we are at 10 and then we don't bring each other down and it's just like oh yeah come on you know Uh, and it's this constant craziness oh man i would be exhausted after like two games
0: that's coming up next. FreePBXClub.com. PBX Pickleball Excellence. Join the club. It's free.
1: Hey, it's CJ. And here's the guy that inspires every left-handed pickleball player everywhere to switch to right-handed. It's Chris Allen.
0: From the home of the Engage World Series of Pickleball, Asheville, North Carolina, this is the Pickleball Show. I am your host, Chris Allen. Thank you for joining us again this week. We're going to continue our conversation with U.S. Open Triple Crown winner Simone Jardine, And I should point out, she's also the reigning national women's champion, along with Corinne Carr, and also reigning national mixed champion, along with Aspen Kern. And we'll bring back in Mark Rennison from ThirdShotSports.com. When we left off, Mark, you had mentioned that we would uh, probably get a lot of angry emails if we didn't uh, go ahead and ask Simone about her two-handed backhand. Go ahead and continue that thought.
2: So, you know, if you look at the top women in the game right now, we're talking about you, we're talking about Corinne, we're talking about Christine McGrath. We're seeing so many people, Lucy, so many women out there, especially, although we are seeing some of the men as well now, using these two-handed backhands. So can you say something to us about why you choose to do that or how you make the decision? Because sometimes you do go to one hand. What are the limitations? What are the advantages?
1: Okay, so this goes way back to, you know, two and a half years ago when I when I first started playing the game. I actually, people kind of said, oh, you don't really hit with two hands in pickleball. And my, my question was, why not? <laughs> uh, I have no, I mean, my wrist is probably the size of like i don't know i would say three inches around so i have no strength my arms are, are quite small so i don't really have a lot of upper body strength my strength usually comes from my my legs and my core so so to me if i can hit a powerful two-handed end shot that i can put away i put away balls with my two-handed back end then why not right? So you ask when to do it and when not to do it. If I have a ball that I'm dinking, I go to my, like, to my one hand slice, like I would do it in tennis. It's a control shot. It's not a power shot. So I keep my wrist firm. All I'm focusing on is keeping that ball into the ki- in, in the kitchen. Now somebody pops it up or even like on a swinging volley, you know, like somebody hits a third shot that comes and the ball is coming down, past the net, but I can get it out of the air, I hit with two hands. So it's my tennis stroke. The difference is, is that I have cut it in half. Instead of taking all the way back behind me, I made it shorter, shorter. I go to my pocket, like to my, my hips, and then I swing through it forward with topspin.
2: Right. So it's an, it's an abbreviated two-handed backhand from tennis. It's short, it's compact, but really the time that you're using it is for a power shot, probably one that you're looking to put away.
1: The one that I have time, you know, and then I do defend with two hands a lot of the times. And the reason is kind of the same, that I feel that my wrist, when I try to defend with one hand, a lot of the times, like with one, you know, guys are able to do it. It's just the way it is, like a strength Somebody's pounding a ball at me and it comes towards my body and I have, if I only have my right arm, you know, my right hand on the paddle, my right arm is doing all of the work. A lot of the times I'm not able to block that very well because my wrist breaks. You know, not literally, just like, you know, if uh, it flicks and then the ball doesn't go anywhere, it kind of dies off on my paddle. So I use my left hand, I put it on the handle, and I lose, and, and Corinne does that very, very well, where they, they she's def- we're defending with the two hands on the paddle, and we're still not making movement. We're just defending with the two hands to keep it nice and steady.
2: Right, it's a, it's a more stable position to be in when you've got that second hand supporting it.
1: Correct. I'm not, and I don't feel like my wrist is going to break. Yep.
0: It seems like more and more uh, paddles are coming out with longer handles to accommodate a two-handed backhand. What is your paddle of choice these days, Simone?
1: Yes. So, uh, you know, Neil and Lisa Prolight, uh, they were really nice. Uh, We kind of started the process a few months ago and uh, we decided that we were going to do a paddle and uh, it was, you know, it was mainly for us. I wanted something that I know I love it. Corinne loves it. Catherine Parenteau, you're, you're, uh, it's also a Canadian, Mark. Fellow, you, you fellow
2: Canadian. Yep. Yes. <laughs> uh,
1: she just moved down to Florida, by the way.
2: Probably a smart choice. <laughs> there you go. Uh,
1: but it's, you know, the, the two handed back end, the supernova is what we came up with. The Titan is a great paddle and the face of it, like the, the, the feel, uh, how much power, the weight distribution, it, it, most of the weight, it's a heavy paddle. It's like eight, anywhere between like eight and eight, five, you can probably get it. But the weight is on the handle is what I, you know, for me, that was that was the best. And I think a lot of these women are playing with, like like our pro light ladies are playing with it because of the fact that it is a very similar pedal to the Titan, but not only has a, I think if you look at it, it kind of resembles a mini tennis racket.
0: Well, I was going to ask if the, if you could feel, because some people talk about the Titan, how it feels. You can almost feel the strings to it. It feels like a tennis racket. And so which is the one now that you're talking about that, that feels like the Titan?
1: So the supernova is literally, so the difference gotcha. is the shape of the head. The shape of the head is very much like a tennis racket. The Titan was more like um, a little skinnier in mm-hmm. the bottom. And then it got, you know, it got bigger. Where the supernova, it literally is, the shape of it is is like a, you know, a bigger head, I guess. Right. And then in the bottom, we took a little bit of the bottom to add another inch for the handle. And that allows for two hands in there, no problem. The weight distribution is still a little bit more weight on the handle. And then um, it's still the material, the face of it, is uh, the same as the Titan.
0: Okay, and we will definitely link to it in the show notes. The ProLite Supernova, which is Simone's weapon of choice these days. <laughs> and uh, one thing that I was curious about, coming off of the U.S. Open in April, you know, you you took gold in mixed with Oliver Strecker, like we mentioned, and then you took gold in women's with Corinne. And and Corinne is somebody you've played with. Like you said, from the very beginning, whereas Oliver, he lives in Germany, and so you probably don't have a chance to play with him at all. And I was curious about how you make those two chemistries work, and how important is that chemistry with a partner or playing together all the time? Because you make it look easy. You know, Oliver can just fly over from Germany, and you guys can just take the gold. How much importance do you place on playing together a lot with a partner you're going to play with in a tournament?
1: I believe that uh, partnerships are unbelievably important. You can have two very good players play together and not work. It can be a bad team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there is roles that people play, I guess. There is a certain level. I, I talk about this. Um, I just had actually uh, Pro light did a little piece and you know from tennis, you always analyze people's optimal level of energy. So for me, that is very important. I think there is, there is some, somewhat of a formula to that. So what I mean by that is that I'm a very intense person in general. I am a very <laughs> intense player. You know, my uh-huh. level, my comfort, for me to play my best, I need to be at an eight. So from one to 10, 10 being very, very intense, eight is my optimal level. Mm-hmm. And my tennis coach knew that and that's how I had to play. If I got to 10, it was too much energy spent, and then I would fall from a 10 to a 6, and then I was no good at a 6. Mm-hmm. So I kind of need to, com- to compete at a 8, at a consistent base, right? Every now and then what? I'll have a 10 when I go nuts, you know, I'll go, <laughs> come on, you know, and I'll yell. And, but then I have to go right back down to my eight. I cannot stay there.
0: Mm-hmm. So are you looking for a partner that's also an eight or do you need a partner that's a six? So you won't be a 10.
1: You are right on the spot. Okay. So, so when I look at partners, I always look at somebody who is going to be a little bit more, like a like a little bit calmer than I am. Right. Mm-hmm. They, they can't be like, like, just like, Oh, whatever, you know, because I can't handle that because right. for me, I love to have fun, but I like to win. Like I love to win it like, let's just enjoy the process, enjoy the moment. I, I, that that doesn't cut it for me. Like, I, <laughs> I, I like to win. If I lose, I'll get over it. But it will hurt for a little bit for me. It does. Like, like yeah. losing hurts. And and again, I don't dwell on that, but I do move forward. But I do feel like when I step on the court with somebody who kind of doesn't care if they win or lose, then I literally, like, win or lose, I don't have that much fun. So that's the part where I feel like I need to find somebody who is a little bit on the lower scale and they can calm me down when I get to 10. Because if I played with somebody who was like an A8 like me, and can you imagine like we win a point and we are at 10 and then we don't bring each other down and it's just like, oh, yeah, come on, you know, uh-huh. and it's this constant craziness. Oh, man, I would be exhausted after like two games. So mm. I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think I would be able to like talk for days after that. <laughs> yeah. So I believe like a, a mixture of that. And then and that's for anybody. I think a lot of people, they don't really realize how, um, you know, I, I coach Catherine. Uh, parental in college. Mm -hmm. Um she was my player and uh she is a very she's kinda keeps her stuff in a lot, you know, and and, uh she needed to play, you know, like matching up people together is very, very important. And I, I feel like when we had her with a partner who would be able to calm her down, like she would get intense but she would keep it you know they needed to help her through it mm-hmm. and if she played with somebody who sometimes would be almost like too calm you know too chilled then she would fire them up so right. it's kind of like it's it's a it's a matching game i believe that you got to you got to play somebody who suits your personality as well you know and and you enjoy playing with that person for sure
0: how long does it normally take you to make that determination do you know after one game or do you like to have maybe you know five or six games or is it instant chemistry or something that's
1: conversation um, it doesn't i never played a game with oliver
0: oh really wow you could just tell
1: well, he's, like, I mean, he's, like, he's not, uh, I, I don't know, uh, he's, he's, like, super laid-back guy, mm-hmm. you know, he's, like, funny. Yeah, I, I'm, not, he's- I'm
2: not sure he, he's even up at a six. I think he might be, like, down by a three or four. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's, like, super cool. Everything is fine, you know. But at the same time, like, when I needed to bring him up, you know, I would bring him up when he needed to kind of, like, help me through, like, if I was a little down, a little upset or something, he would just kind of, like, crack a joke or or say something, and I'll be like, okay, you know, and, like, Corinne, for example, like, you know, I look at the girl, she's smiling, she's laughing, and here I am, upset that I just missed a shot, and she's like, ah, don't worry about it, you know, and it's kind of like, in a way, it's so enlightening. In the moment, it just you know puts everything into perspective. And, mm-hmm. and for me, I need that. You know, I need it. And uh, and I'm sure that for them, possibly what I bring to the table is my energy that they can't produce sometimes by themselves.
0: Right. Yeah. And you certainly. Yeah. You bring more than enough. Uh, for, for you <laughs> for and everybody. a partner. Well, sure. I, and I admire that. I admire your intensity and everything. And it's, it's just great. And it's uh, it, your you're breath of fresh air to, to watch on that court. And uh, yeah, always, always respect that intensity.
1: Thank you. Appreciate
0: it. Now, is there something in addition to the chemistry? Do you have sort of a defined role in that? Well, I'm mainly, you know, you're going to set up and I'm going to put them away. Are you switching back and forth? Is it situational? Do you define those that specifically?
1: I don't think there is a definition of that. I think it happens kind of naturally. Corinne and I have played in games where she does the setup and the put away, and that happens, or I do the setup and she puts away. Mm -hmm. But because there are times where we choose to stack, then it tends to be that she sets it up, You know, she can dink for days and she will dink, 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 until I get one that I feel like, okay, I can jump on this one and then I put away. And then in mixed doubles, usually I'll be the one, you know, playing on the right. I'll be kind of the one, you know, but again, if I feel like I have one that I can put away, I'm definitely putting it away. I'm not, you know, missing my opportunity, you know, and I definitely like the middle because that's my two in the back end. So, um, but, but there are times when, especially long tournaments, there's long days, big draws. There's Mm -hmm. just so much that I can do. I mean, I'm not 20 anymore. I'm 37. And people don't understand that a a long day, like an all-day pickleball tournament, it's very taxing on your body. So I like for the guy to, hey, take over that middle and finish some points here and let's move on.
2: Would you say one of the factors is who's being targeted? You know, let's say you're playing a match and you're the one who's primarily being targeted by your opponents. Your role primarily will be... One, to not give up something easy, but two, is to try to set up your partner, right? To hit a, whether it's a drop or other shot that the opponents then accidentally or unintentionally give to your partner, right? Who they're avoiding. Correct. And then in the end, they become the finishing person. You're the setup, they're the finish. I imagine when I watch you play, especially when I watch you play women's doubles, I mean, it's very rare that you're the person being targeted, right? Typically people are trying to avoid you. So then that means that the few occasions that you do get a chance to hit a ball It's usually unintentional by the opponents, and then that's your chance to pounce. Is that about right?
1: And I, you know, I trying to figure out, I figure like, sometimes am I too ugly? Am I, you know, too scary? (laughs) Am I smelling bad? You know, and uh, no, I mean, you know, I I think because of the fact that I am aggressive, a lot of the times I do, I get my opportunity. I'm definitely taking it. And I think that that's what happens. I I think that Corinne can dink all day and she's a very good defender. But again, like, I think that a lot of the times, like if I see one, I'm going for it, you know, And I I attack balls from pretty much anywhere at this point. So I think that that's what happens, tends to happen, you know, in those scenarios.
0: Now, where do you see the future of the game going? I've heard people uh, coming back from U.S. Open saying, wow, you know, it seems like more of a power game. It seems like it's coming in. Are you seeing that trend as well?
1: I mean, I think, I think, you know, when people talk about power, my guess is that they see some, uh, you know, like Lucy and Matt are perfect example. They use power, but you have to realize that Lucy is one of a kind in a sense, like the effectiveness of her third shot drive is something that you don't see many of us men or women doing. So if you watch the girl enough, like she is like she is that on. She can make that over and over and over again. And it keeps, it keeps it low, very hard to attack. Compared to sometimes some of the other players who may, like, I can't keep that up. And I feel like I'm a, you know, I was a very good tennis player. But my stroke itself is not the same that I can hit that like that. So Matt Wright is another one who is a very powerful player. I mean, the guy is very tall. He can attack balls. From you know, he has that reach, and he can attack balls that you think, oh, there's no way he can attack that, and he does. You have Ben Johns, who also is kind of similar in the sense that he can attack a lot of balls that you wouldn't think that he would be able to. There's a few players that have that ability. I don't think it means that the, everybody's gonna start doing that. I think if you have something, an ability to do something, you gotta use that, especially if it works. When you agree, Mark?
2: Yeah, I'm very much in the camp of if it works, keep doing it. That's why I liked hearing what you were saying about the two-handed backhand. You know, if it's effective, then that's fine. I think what I'm hearing you say and what I'm seeing when we're out there competing is that to be an elite player in this sport, you need to have everything. You need to be able to have a power game that you can draw on when it's appropriate, but you need to be able to have other things in your toolkit. You need to be able to have great drops. You need to be able to play dinks. You need to be able to go for a third shot drive but when it doesn't work confidently hit that fifth shot drop into the kitchen you need to be able to finish points when those opportunities come because they don't come very often you know if we use the example of lucy kovalova and matt wright those are two people who i think most of us would agree use a power game effectively but i would never in a million years say oh well that's only because they can't hit soft shots right (laughs) because you can see when they get into that game they've got that but you're right, Simone. They have this ability. They have this special skill that they're lucky enough to carry over from their past athletic careers that they can draw on and they can use and they, they can use to great effect.
1: You know, you see how accurate and how consistent they are. That's the difference. You know, I, I think bangers, when it, you know, refer to bangers, and I'm, you know, for sure a lot of it has a connotation, oh, tennis players. Well, it's it's, there's a difference also. It's like, they're wild, swinging wildly. They don't know even, most of the time, they don't even know where they're aiming. You know, they're just like swinging for the fences and hope for the best, where <laughs> there's some of these players who are swinging, but they're swinging to a spot. They have a goal. I mean, Marson and Morgan, you know, they call the shake and bake. That's exactly, they have a goal. They have a play. Somebody's going to drive and the other one is going to poach, but they have a plan. There is a spot that they want to hit and there is there's something that is coming it's not just to do it, you know. It's not just like to to bang the ball and and oh, they'll make a mistake. No, it's the
2: purpose. And so, when you see lower level players, you know, or people who are just starting pickleball, and you they hit a shot, and I'm sure, you've done this all the time as a coach, and you say, hey, what were you trying to do there? Yeah, almost always at the lower level, the answer is something like, I don't know. Just or, keep it in play. I was trying to put it in the court, right? <laughs> you know? And as you go up in level, those answers get longer, and then you get to a player of say Simone's caliber and you say, well, what were you trying to do there? And then she says, well, how much time do you have? Right. Yeah. And she <laughs> yeah. you this, this five paragraph essay on, well, I was doing this because I noticed this in the past and they're mm. more likely to do that. And it sets up my partner for the poach." right? There's so much thought that goes behind it. And I think that casual players who then get to go watch these great players play don't necessarily understand what's going on. They see the power game. They see the hard hit ball. But what you can't see is all the thought process that goes on sort of internally uh, within the player, but then also the conversations that happen during timeouts or between games or whatever, that there's so much deliberation that goes into what looks like, oh, well, they just hit hard. Speaking with Simone today, and I mean, I think anyone out there who is kind of trying to figure out where they are with their game, or they're sort of plateaued and they've got the skills, but they're not quite sure that what needs to happen to progress. I mean, working with a coach like Simone, who can talk to you about decision-making, who can talk to you about sort of what goes on between the ears, for a lot of people, that's going to be the thing that gets them up a level.
0: Now, Simone, if people do want to work with you, how do they get in touch with you?
2: We have a
1: website, USOpenPickleballAcademy.com. All of our contact information is in there. They can do it through email our phone call, or they can even schedule all online.
0: Sounds good. Well, we will link to that. You've got Naples covered at the U.S. Open Pickleball Academy. And then Mark, you've got the, the entirety of Canada covered because you're going to be heading out doing a pickleball tour of Canada this summer, huh?
2: That's right. So while the weather is good, I figured I'd stay around Canada for the summer. And so starting a couple weeks, I'm in Regina, Saskatchewan, and then 10 stops around Canada throughout the summer. So what's neat about this is, you know, we have locals coming and we have canadians coming but you know there's a lot of americans who think hey this is a great chance to come and see a beautiful part of the world when it's not so wintry and <laughs> um and you know the fact that uh, right now you get a dollar 30 u.s for one canadian dollar and all the prices are in canadian dollars make it pretty attractive to the americans too
0: you can find all the details at thirdshotsports.com for more of mark renison you guys have both been great today thank you so much i really enjoyed it
2: thank you Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks,
0: guys. We've got you covered in the show notes. USopenpickleballacademy.com is in there. Learn more about Simone Jardine. ThirdshotSports.com. That's Mark Renison's website. Lots of great info there. WSOPB.com. World Series of Pickleball coming to Asheville. September 29th, 30th, October 1st. We've got a special announcement coming next week that you do not want to miss. Head over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and subscribe to The Pickleball Show. You'll never miss an episode. And if you feel it's appropriate, please leave us one of those five-star reviews. We've got big things happening and we want you to be a part of it. I'm Chris Allen. This is The Pickleball Show. And until next week, keep them low.